It's a Bible Rundown. Pastor Dave, Pastor Rob here. It's day 168, Nehemiah 7 through 9, Acts chapter 3. It is, we're getting closer to the book, the end of the book of Nehemiah. We're right in the middle here. These are big, big time chapters. And if you're studying with us, this is um, the people have returned from exile. Um, they have rebuilt the temple. Um, they have now rebuilt the walls. They are continuing to live in the walls. And now they're gathering together to have spiritual renewal through the word of God, the reading of the word of God. And Ezra stands up in front of all the people and he read about six hours, David, from early morning till midday. He read about six hours the word of God. And how he reads it is important. Yeah. So we talk about our preaching style at Northwest. It's what we would call exegetical preaching. Mm -hmm. And that is because that seems to be the biblical model for what preaching is supposed to be. Right. So verse 8, they being not just Ezra, Right, But all these other men that were qualified to teach and help the people understand the law, they read from the book of law, mm -hmm. so from Moses' book, the Pentateuch. They read it clearly, and the ESV has an interesting footnote, Rob. Clearly is with interpretation or paragraph by paragraph. That sounds boring maybe to some people. Yeah. But it's important for us to let the word of God be the thing that is, it's promised that it won't return void. So we ought to preach it as if it doesn't return void. Right. It doesn't need a lot of fancy dressing to it. No, it doesn't. Doesn't need too many illustrations to nope. that we think the hearer needs. It just needs to be delivered with the power of the Spirit, and so that the people understand what they're reading and why. Amen. So. Amen. We're, we're squarely in Ezra's camp here, right? Yes, we are. But I think we see the reason why. What follows? Well, the, the prayers of the people are totally centered upon what they just read. Yeah. Chapter 9, I love this prayer. But look, I mean, if, if you just read through it in detail and take your time, it's literally yeah. just recounting what they just read. Right. All of the acts of God Yeah. from Adam... Up till that point, and God's faithfulness to them. Right. What a what a what a great uh, understanding of how to preach the Bible. And I love how you just outlined for our people how they are to hear or listen to the Bible. They are to listen to it as the very word of God. They are to listen to the pastor or the preacher as the one who is interpreting or declaring that word. I like how it says here, they gave the sense so that the people mm. understood the reading. So the pastor is giving the sense so that they understand what they are reading. And then they're praying back that word. Now, we could probably incorporate that more in our context of praying back what we just read. That's kind of our response. We kind of have a, a worshipful response, but maybe... Even more would be like having people come up and actually 
praying back what we just well, read. And, yeah, and leading the congregation in that prayer, right? Yeah. And when they're giving them the sense, that's the whole idea of contextualizing <clears throat> it so that we understand. These yeah. people were never in slavery in Egypt. No. So they need to have the sense of what that meant to be oppressed. Oh, wait, you're being oppressed in this work of rebuilding the wall. Maybe all of a sudden you realize, like, hey, yeah. God's with it. So yeah. for us, right, the, this whole idea of contextualizing old ancient scriptures is just as relevant today as it was for Ezra. Right. But yeah, like some of these lines in this prayer, uh, verse 17, the end, you're God ready to forgive, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Uh, 19, God is great in his mercies. He doesn't forsake us. He says that again in verse 27. Mm. Uh, Verse 28, even though the people had sinned and done evil against God, when they turned and cried to God, he heard and he delivered them according to his mercies. The recounting of the past is centered on God being merciful and gracious. Yeah. And for themselves, the exile was a result of their unfaithfulness to God. Yeah. But then they make a covenant in writing. Yeah. Verse 38, right? Yeah. So their response to the word of God is weeping, Mm. mourning and weeping. Um, Their response is rejoicing. Mm -hmm. Their response is celebrating the festivals that they were supposed to celebrate to recount the goodness of God. And then it's prayer recounting who God is and uh, you know we could we could say what do we do in our worship services right we preach the word in order for a response to happen sometimes it's it's a confession of sin or a grieving over what we've done sometimes it's a rejoicing of how great our great and merciful our God is sometimes it's it's a, a celebration of remembrance, which is what we do in the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it's a, a prayer, which we need to incorporate more now of what the Word of God has, has, has told us about who God is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, David, it's, a, it's called a covenant. And that's what this is. It's a conviction or a covenant, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Entering into the new covenant is a covenant. Mm -hmm. When you say, I want to be in the kingdom of God, I am a child of God, I am submitting my life to Christ, you are entering into the new covenant in his blood. It's interesting here that the covenant they enter in is with one another and with the Lord. Yeah, and all based upon God's invitation to be in relationship to him which right. is what they just read from the book of the law of Moses. Right. But it's on God's terms, not right. their own. Right. Hey, Acts chapter 3. Acts Silver three. and gold have I not, but what I do I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. They heal the lame man, and then immediately they begin to face opposition. Mm. Speaking in Solomon's portico, Peter and John carrying on the ministry of Jesus. What do you see? I love verse 15. In chapter 3. We'll start with 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one, asked for a murderer to be granted to you, which is Barabbas. Mm -hmm. 
And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Pretty straightforward, David. Yeah. Not, not trying to bat around the bush and trying to be uh, culturally appropriate or trying to, you know, de- desensitize, be sensitive to their, their understanding. It's very straightforward. Um, there calls for times to be sensitive to people around you, but there are also calls for times to be straightforward in the gospel. I, I have a problem. You go way too sensitive. You go way too uh, unsensitive to, to people's feelings and cultures and mindset and worldview. I feel as if the Lord calls sometimes for us to be a little bit straightforward in the way that we share the gospel. Yeah, and and Peter doesn't shy away from that firmness, and yet it's coupled with grace, right? Yeah. So after that sharp correction and rebuke, verse 19, therefore, you all have got to repent based on what you just did, right? Repent, therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he send Christ appointed for you. You know, I think when we have to correct other believers caught in sin, do we couch it as the Lord wants you to repent so that he can refresh in you? Mm-hmm. That's a lot more appealing. And that's what Christ came to do. Right. It It is a kind of a old school, use scare quotes, right? Turn or burn call. But... The avoidance of God's punishment is that you receive times of refreshing now. Right. Like, if you'll repent, God will refresh in your life. Yeah. So you've got to give the... In the gospel, I think... I think to clarify with my readers or our listeners, I think it's okay to be straightforward if you give the full gospel. Yeah. If you tell people you're going to hell because of your sin, you haven't given the full gospel. Therefore, right. you're, you're, you're not being straightforward. Right. You're just being mean. Yeah. But Peter is straightforward, showing their sin, but also that there is a way of refreshing. There is a way to be restored. There is a way to be reconciled to a holy God, and it's through Jesus Christ, repentance and faith in him. So... You have to tell people the full gospel, but you can be straightforward about it. Absolutely. And in this case, I mean, is there a greater sin than murdering the author of life? Well, I know. That, that, that phrase, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, that'll, that'll keep you up at night, right? Well, just the juxtaposition of killing with life, right? Right. That, that the eternally living God would allow his son to be killed. Right. I mean, that ought to grab their attention and be like, Peter, what are you talking about? Yeah. But again, and as we're going to see in Acts, it's only revealed to those that that the Lord has called and have been given the, the Holy Spirit as a means to understand. Chapter 4 is going to really explain what happens on this scene, but it, it doesn't go well for Peter and John in these initial testimonies, right? We saw the 3,000 at Pentecost repented. 
But just like we've been reading in Ezra and Nehemiah, there's going to be some intense opposition in Jerusalem these early days. There's always going to be intense opposition to the gospel when we preach it. Satan will do everything he can. Well, it's offensive. You're calling someone a sinner in need of a savior. It's offensive. So I think sometimes when we don't straightforward the gospel, yeah, we can not offend people, but our call is not to not offend people. Our call is to share the gospel. He's given us the tongues of fire to do that. Amen. Bye, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. See you.